This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here is your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I'm Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It's just a different place. So you must go out, buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer is that the challenges we all face in Holland will make us better people. It has been an interesting time for us in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is in college. Last weekend was a perfect storm for extreme stress. We had planned a three and a half day trip to West Point for my husband's reunion. It was a short trip because we never know how well Christina is going to be doing. My mother was planning to stay with our girls. I'd even gotten an extra sitter just for Christina during the evening hours and early morning. The Saturday before we were scheduled to leave on Wednesday, my mother was injured in an accident as a passenger in the back seat of a car. She ended up in the ICU. Thankfully, she was wearing her seatbelt. Late that evening, our extra sitter, our backup sitter, texts me to let me know that she has a trip planned and will be out of town <laughs> and will not be help, able to help Christina. Apparently, she had forgotten all about this trip. I don't think so. And no, we will never be asking her to babysit for us again. The following Monday was a great day. Christina attended school for the first time in three weeks. My mother was transferred to a regular hospital room and I found a wonderful young lady to stay with our girls. Our sitter has extensive experience with individuals who have special needs. Even better, she knew our girls and her family lives near us. We had an amazing trip. Christina attended school every day for the entire day. She was so happy to be back at school. The sitter exercised, read, and played games with the girls. My mother was in great hands with the hospital and our family. We have a great show today. Our guest is Patty Rendon of Rendon Support Services. Patty has been a MedWaiver Support Coordinator for over 20 years. She is familiar with all aspects of the Florida MedWaiver Program. We will be discussing life skills, having a meaningful day activity that adds value to your child's life. We will also be discussing where your child will be able to live and group homes in different situations. Today, we are addressing the needs of individuals transitioning after graduating from the public school system. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Please stay with us. We will be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM 860, The Answer. 
to contact Julie, go to SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. That's SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Patty Rendon of Rendon Support Services. Patty Rendon has over 20 years as a med waiver support coordinator. Hi, Patty. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Please tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got involved in helping those with special needs. Well, um, I'm a mom of three kids, and I've been married for 26 years. Um, I got involved with individuals with developmental disabilities when I was in high school, and I started working with Special Olympics, and then in Best Buddies through college, Um, and then I started out in California working as a support employment coach and a travel coach, helping people get to and from places in their community. Right. Okay. And that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. And today we're going to be concentrating on what happens after the, a child graduates from public school system. Correct. Today, you know, there's a lot of transition when someone leaves school. Yes. Um, whether you have a disability or you don't, everyone experiences change. Yes. Well, please tell the listeners a little bit about your background because you are an expert in this field. Tell them more about your background and about your business and where you fit in when it comes to Agency for Persons with Disabilities. So as a waiver support coordinator, yes, um, we serve individuals that have been accepted on the Medicaid waiver all the way from age five till they are no longer with us. And so our expertise comes from wherever that person is in life. Um, if they are an individual that's 21 turning 22 in their last year of high school, um, and they've been with us for a while, we will have begun planning and talking about what's next. Right. Um, but in many cases, we don't get to be introduced to that person until very close to graduation. Um, but our role is to walk alongside as that person's advocate and the family's advocate and helping coordinate um, the individualized services that that person needs. Yes. And what's we recent we, we we did a show with a agency a person with disabilities and the show that we're doing today is going to dovetail nicely into that because that show was about what they offer and the services but you're the lifeline for the family so once your child or the individuals with disabilities is accepted on the med waiver program they need a support coordinator can you explain that function to our listeners. Yeah, so a lot of times when an individual comes onto the Medicaid waiver, um, families don't understand the intricate process. Yes. And so it can be very confusing and very frustrating. Um, you receive a letter in the mail that says that you've been accepted and have a waiver slot. Once you receive a waiver slot, you'll also be sent a selection packet. And on that selection packet, um, if you are in the Suncoast region of the Agency for Personal Disabilities, it will include all support coordinators, agency or independent, and they are encouraged to interview various support coordinators to try and fit someone that meets your family's needs. Although we all do the same job, we each have different personalities and different experiences. And so we encourage you to choose a coordinator that's going to fit your family best. Yes. Once you choose that coordinator, they will come out they'll sit with the individual with disabilities and their family, and they will plan in an individualized person centered support plan 
goals for the upcoming year and then a three to five year goals. And based upon where that person wants to be, they establish what services are needed to one, maintain the individual's health and safety yes, and two, address the individual's goals that they want to accomplish in the next year to three to five years. Okay. And you, when we were talking earlier, you gave me the this example, and it helps because I'm also a very visual person. But you said, think of it as a a wheel of services. Can you yes. explain that to them? So I always explain that in order for a wheel to move forward, you have three components of that wheel. You have the outer rim, which is what we want things to move. You have the spokes of the wheel, and then you have the cog that holds the spokes together. The support coordinator is in partnership with the individual and or their family as that cog that holds those spokes, which are all the providers and services that are necessary for those goals, which is the wheel to move. And in order for that to happen, that cog is the one who holds and coordinates it all together. And so your support coordinator is your advocate. They have no ties As far as they're not hired by APD, they're not paid by the Agency for Persons with Disabilities, they're not paid by providers, they are only hired by you and are to provide the best services you need. Yes, and they cannot provide any of the services you might want. Correct. Because that would be a conflict of interest. Correct. So as a waiver support coordinator, the only service that I am licensed by the um, Agency for Healthcare Administration is support coordination. Other providers could be a provider of support employment, supported living, companion, group home. They can do a vast variety, but those are your spokes. The COG can only be your advocate and your coordinator of what your your needs are in your life. Yes. And can you please tell them a little bit about your business? So um, my agency is Rendon Support Services, and we serve um, Pinellas. Pasco, Hillsboro, Manatee, Sarasota, Charlotte, Lee, Collier, and DeSoto counties. Um, we have 13 different coordinators that live in the area in which they serve. Um, yes. Although we have one base office, um, I believe that individuals need to know their community to help their community. So it's a very big theory of mine that coordinators should know their community they're serving. Yes, yes. And tell them about your ratings. So in um, this area or this region, um, we are the second largest agency. And then um, we are the um, myself and another agency have the highest clearance score, which is our reviewed score um, that Clarence is an agency hired by the state of Florida and the Agency for Healthcare Administration that does our annual review. Um, there's a few independents that um, have scored a little higher. However, working with multiple areas and multiple coordinators to earn a score of 99.5 means our systems that are yes. providing your son and daughter's services are working yes. and that the people are doing what they need to do for your children. Yes. Now, the no- another area that we we're talking about is once a person graduates from the public school system, we're really looking at two areas of their life. We're looking at what they now call life skills. It used to be called, I guess, like the adult day program, but they've renamed that. And we're looking at housing. Can you 
go a little bit into life skills? So when it comes to life skills, we call it life skills development. And it's broken down into three categories. They've taken three previous categories and put them all into the umbrella of life skills development. Life skills development, one is for companion. And the companion is an individual that will work with your son or daughter and go in the community to develop skills for independent, to become as independent as possible. So the most ideal situation is a companion, assist the individual and maybe volunteer work. So let's say every Tuesday or Thursday, um, they will go out to maybe a nursing home and do volunteer work for the day. Still learning and achieving schools, having, um, I'm sorry, achieving goals and having a meaningful activity to do during the day, gaining a valued role and participate in their community. Life skills two is support employment. And that means that you have a support employment coach that helps you obtain a job, maintain that job, achieve in that job, and learn skills to grow within that job. And therefore, again, gaining a valued role and contributing and being a member of their community. Right. The third life skill is adult day training programs and it is going to be housed um, it can be off-site or on-site majority of them today are on-site and those adult day training programs are focused around learning skills to eventually become um, jobs in the community and um, we've got a variety of adult day trainings within our communities um, they do some kind of piece work they mm-hmm. have some contracts yes. um, and then they also do some life skills where some of them are helping with maybe um, manufactured kitchens um, so they're right. learning skills to become as independent as possible yes now the supported employment coach that aspect of it kind of dovetails into vocational rehab but it's for a limited time. Correct. correct. So if an individual during their job development time or their period of time in which they are looking for a job, developing resumes, finding a job, and then for that 120 days of maintenance in a job, stabilization, vocational rehabilitation funds that job coach. Right. From 90 to 120 days, it's an overlap from the um, Agency for Personal Disabilities and Vocational Rehabilitation. They consider that stabilization from the 90 days of job um, training, maintaining a job to that 120 days. Well, they'll be paid um, by the Agency for Personal Disabilities because the last benchmark will be at 120 days of payment from the vocational rehabilitation. Okay. All right. So as someone that's kind of at this point in my life, my big thing is a meaningful day activity for my child. And then we're also going to talk about where do you live, (laughs) which is a huge, huge, um, oh, it's one of those things that weighs heavily on my mind. Why don't we take a break there? And when we come back, let's continue this discussion on the other side. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Patty Rendon of Rendon Support Services. We are discussing all about the Florida Med Waiver Program. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to Special Needs Family Hour. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM 860, The Answer. 
To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. I'm here with Patty Rendon of Rendon Support Services. We are discussing the needs of individuals transitioning after graduating from the public school system. Now, Patty, we were just discussing meaningful day activities, and you took us through the whole life skills area. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Because it's such a important area. I know from Maria, when she graduated from transition school, and Christina's going to be graduating this May, it's what do you do and how do you keep that wonderful spirit that they have and that sense of accomplishment that school has provided all these years? So. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I find to be very valuable is this conversation doesn't start in the April before graduation. Yes. <laughs> this conversation starts in your junior year or two years out. Um, you have to think about it like any child, whether they're disabled or non-disabled. That conversation didn't start two months before. No. It started two, three years earlier what do you want to do? What are the things we think of? And I want to encourage people that prior to coming up on graduation, they're really testing the waters, um, working with their individual IEPs right. and start testing those waters. Those IEPs are extremely valuable in high school. Um, and you are your son and daughter's biggest advocate. Um, I encourage them to bring the support coordinator to the IEPs to start talking about ways in which we can start working with individuals to identify things that are important to them. What right. are the value that they want to accomplish? And so once we go about six months out from graduation, we want to pinpoint exactly what the plan is. Mm-hmm. And so your coordinator will sit down with you um, and say, okay, it's time to review where, where, where we're going to be June 1st. Cause realistically that's the date, you know, right. graduations are all going the week before that. And so June one, what's the plan? Right. Are they going to be home? Are they going to be in a job? Are they going to be with a companion? And so that's what you really need to focus on. Yes. So when I think about individuals, it doesn't matter what their disability is. It really means what's important to them and what's important to the family. And so based upon those priorities, you're going to narrow down. If you have an individual that doesn't like to be around a large group of people, And when they were in school, they liked much more one-on-one and were more accomplished. You're going to look towards a companion first right? and see if you can identify that. If you've got an individual that likes to be busy and have a lot of choices during the day, you're going to look at more meaningful day activities. And then if you have somebody who is able to or has already started the vocational rehabilitation process prior to graduation, then a job may be priority. But you can be in vocational rehabilitation and be in adult day training at the same time. Vocational rehabilitation has really helped my girls a lot. Um, Just going through their process of what they're good at, just looking at their goals. Even the job that Maria had, it was a good experience, but it also made us realize that she really wasn't quite ready for to be in the workforce and that, well... I'm not sure that she's going to be in the workforce, but hopefully she will find the meaningful activities like we're talking about and that sense of accomplishment that you're talking about. But Vogue Rehab really did help both of them a lot. Well, and I encourage people, 
you know, two years before you're out of school, get in touch with your vocational rehabilitation. Start becoming familiar with that. Start doing some of those testings that you're talking about and identifying where um, their interests are. And so consequently, it's not just for individuals with disabilities, but all individuals 16, 17, 20 years old need to identify what's important to them. Yes. And some of them may do a job that I thought I loved food service, but my goodness, after I spilled four plates on the floor, I will never go back to food service again. <laughs> it's only when we test those things do we really right. learn what's important to us. Yes. And whether we have a disability or not, we have to experience those things. Yes. Well, one of the things that we learned with Maria, for instance, is we learned that she's really better off four hours versus six hours a day. We realized that she really is a social person and that she really needs someone to talk to she is ocd so she was great at her job it's just the um that need to like talk to people how is your day what are you doing those types of things those personality um quirks that don't quite fit in absolutely and i think we i think sometimes we forget that that individuals with disability have those same quirks that everybody else has right true they are our children And they're going to have our characteristics just like any of our (laughs) children do. So consequently, we need to think of it that way. What would we do for somebody that was two years out of high school? What will we do? We'll sit down. We'll take them on college tours. We'll talk about what kind of room they want to live in, how they want to decorate. Do they want to be in a three-person room or two-bedroom room? Or, oh, I'm not going to be in a dorm. Same things apply to our individuals that are graduating and transitioning out of high school with special needs or individuals with disabilities. Consequently, we need to ask those same questions. What is important to them? And we treat them that way. We're going to be identifying the right place for the right person. That is so true. And it's interesting what you're saying because it's so true that a lot of times with special needs kids, people don't plan. But I've just gone through that whole process with my typical child, though, everything you're talking about. And even though a person has special needs, it's important to consider their needs and what they want. So Many times families don't even step into an adult day training program until it's two months before their son or daughter graduates. Oh. There's a lot of things that can be done and talked to and become participating in that. Um, you know, prior to my children going into high school, I started being actively involved in their booster club um, because it was important for me to identify, know the players at school. Do the same thing with your children that are going into adult day training programs yes. or going into other um, large agencies like um, Sunrise or McDonald Training Center or um, ARC of Tampa Bay or Pinellas Association right. yes. for retarded children. Ultimately, they're going to offer different things and you becoming an active role in them are going to open your eyes to the options and opportunities that are out there. That is so true because my husband and I, we are planners. <laughs> it's our personality types. And we went to a function with a chamber of commerce at McDonald's Training Center. And we were impressed, artwork. I even have a, a beautiful sunflower picture on the wall that we bought there. But um, the next that next week, we were at McDonald's Training Center touring this. And this was years ago. Absolutely. Trying to figure out the future for our girls. And um, one of the things we were going to talk about today was where does a person live? And I've got to tell you this. 
I that really stresses me what happens whenever I pass away and I always figured oh well I when my kids were little I used to think if I could just live because I really didn't know what I was facing and I don't have a syndrome so I really don't know what the world holds but I really believe they're going to live to be old ladies so um hopefully but mm-hmm. I found myself thinking if I can just live one day longer Right, And I never admitted that to myself until Christina was in the hospital with her first seizures and we thought she, we almost lost her. I'm right. like, I just have to live one day longer. And then finally I realized, Julie, you don't have to live one day longer. You can provide. And then a friend of mine, she added a whole addition to her house for her son. And then her doctor tells her, so what happens when you die? Are right. you going to make your son do the hardest thing he's ever done in his life? transition to life without you and when she said that i realized years ago that i just had to change my thinking and yet and we were discussing this earlier a lot of my friends i don't think they're thinking about it they don't seem to be worried about it they don't seem to be planning about it what's your take on all that you know I do not have a child with disabilities. So understand that I don't walk the shoes that many of the individuals we serve do. And I respect the families that do and would never say that I know because I don't. I'm not walking in those shoes. I can come from experience of 20 some years. I can come from what I've seen and what I've witnessed. And then one of the things I've seen so um, troubling many times and it's hard to watch is that Instead of you being part of the transition of your son or daughter going into either independent living or a group home or whatever that transition is, they become the reason for it. And I think that they just don't understand that. And so I think that's a hard thing for people to come to understand. It's also part of our society today. More and more children, disabilities or not, are living at home and aren't transitioning. So you get it twofold. But ultimately, we raise our children, disabilities or not, to live as independent and as functioning as we can. And so we want to take that step all the way through their life. And what can we do to assist that? And so hopefully we have a piece in that puzzle. Yes. And it's interesting, like even on the guardianship show, you, some families plan for siblings to take care of them. And to me, yes, I can see wanting a sibling to be responsible, but it's always seemed so unfair to me. And how do you know? You don't know that that sibling is going to grow up to be a model citizen. Not only that, but you can't predict your other the siblings' lives. No. Um, that sibling could be married when you pass. Yes. And will that spouse want to accept that responsibility? Um, you could develop a trust and you believe the sibling is going to take care of your son or daughter and now they get divorced. <laughs> yes. So there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, and ultimately, you've got to look at the individual themselves. And what do you want for that individual? And then you plan accordingly. Yes. All right. Well, let's continue the conversation on the other side about living situations for children with okay. disabilities. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Patty Rendon of Renda Support Services. We are discussing all things related to the Florida Med Waiver Program. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. 
We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Patty Rendon of Rendon Support Services. We are discussing the needs of individuals transitioning after graduating from the public school system. So, Patty, our next topic is where does our child live? What are our options? Well, and I think like most people, individuals that leave um, are at leaving high school, most of them are not ready to be completely on their own. Right. And so um, the difference with individuals with disabilities is technically they leave school a few years after the general person graduates. So your difference is, you know, 18 to 22. Right. But I think... Ultimately, the 18 and the 22 are very similar. And so most times they're not really ready to be on their own. Some are. So if we're looking at someone that would be ready to be completely on their own, we do have supportive living options. And those supportive living options are a condo or a townhouse um, of an apartment they can rent. There's HUD housing available. There's roommates available. And we have personal supports depending on the level the individual needs. Some are 24 hours. Some are a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours at night. And then some, and then everyone in supportive living has a supportive living coach. And that coach should be assisting them with finances and banking, grocery shopping, medical appointments, things that you would need to maintain to live on your own. Oh. And then, go ahead. Well, so how do you, well, you continue and then I'll ask my questions. So other than supportive living, we then have group homes. Group homes typically have around six individuals living in them. Um, they are either private homes or homes owned under a large nonprofit, some like ARC of Florida or some other one, other agencies. Um, Sunrise has many homes. There's many different agencies right. out there. Um, and then there's different types of group homes. Okay. Those group homes are based upon the needs of the individual. So if an individual doesn't have any behavior needs or any specialized medical needs, then you would look at a standard group home in which individuals that are like themselves would live together and they would interview the home and the home interviews them. They have a chance they can go and have dinner with the home, meet the other residents. Right. Some share rooms. Some have their own rooms. It all just depends on the individual home. And then we have into homes that are called behavior focus homes. And those homes are individuals that have behavior programs and that are um, a little more significant than a day-to-day kind of um, quirk. So okay. um, if somebody just taps their fingers on the, the desk a few times yes. and they do that often, we're not going to consider that a behavior because that's kind of a norm. It interacts with the community. Right. But if someone walks up and keeps banging on a wall, that would be disruptive to a day in normal activities. Right. Then that would be a need for a behavior analyst and a need for a behavior program to align that behavior or to um, adjust that and extinguish that behavior. And when we have someone with a a behavior program that needs implementing, training to be working with the individual, then that's our behavior focus homes. And they do, the level of that home or the level of support to the individual is all individualized based upon that individual's behaviors. 
Okay, so so if you're a kid and the parents come to you, I mean, is this on the website, the APD website? Yes, okay. you can go under the APD website. And if you go under uh, waivers, under iBudget, right. rules and regulations, and then look at the iBudget coverage and limitation handbook under residential habilitation, it'll identify and spell out um, residential habilitation, which is our group homes, and the training that goes into the staff providing direct services to the individuals. The last category is our behavior intensive homes. And those, it's just an escalation of the level of behaviors the individual has. Okay. Now you just said something about eye budget. Correct. (laughs) So we've covered like meaningful day activities. We've covered housing and then there's eye budget. Explain that. So over the years, the Agency for Person with Disabilities has gone through many transitions and we've gone through the tier system. We've gone through rebasing and each individual time we have a definition and we are currently under the system of the I-Budget waiver. And what the I-Budget says is that based upon age, disability, where you live, um, and some other medical factors based upon your questionable situational instrument, then they identify an algorithm. And that's to identify what the should-be-established budget would be. And then if you have additional needs above that budget, we then request through the state of Florida an increase in your budget because your budget's established off your algorithm. Right. And so in the Coverage and Limitation Handbook, it does speak about all the services that are available under the waiver. But remember... This is a person-centered approach. So each service you may not be eligible for, it's based upon your needs and um, other factors like your age right. um, and disabilities. Okay. And then the I-budget. So what people need to understand is before people, people used to be institutionalized, and this is the answer versus institutionalizing people. Kind of. Kind of. The actual Medicaid home and community-based service waiver is our answer to individuals that meet institutional criteria, but we want them to be housed and living and active, breathing members of their community. And the I-budget is a program in which the state of Florida has established to be able to provide those services. Yes. And we were discussing earlier that there's a lot of rhetoric associated with with this whole APD changes and all that. Do you want to get into that? or? Well, we can get into it a little bit. Um, it's really up in the air right now that um, the state of Florida and the legislature have asked APD to look at their funding and look at how they're designing the services for individuals with disabilities. And so they're looking at a redesign of that I-budget waiver and how it's going to be implemented within the state of Florida to the individual with developmental disabilities. Um, and that decision hasn't come out yet. Um, it'll be around somewhere around September 30th, and we'll then have an idea. Yes. Why don't we take a break there, and then we'll come back, and we'll continue our conversation. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. I'm here with Patty Rendon of Rendon Support Services. We are discussing the needs of individuals transitioning after graduating from the public school system. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm here with Patty Rindon of Rindon Support Services. We are discussing the needs of individuals transitioning after graduating from the public school system. Now, we were just discussing all the housing options, and um, one of the things that surprised me, for instance, a friend of mine, her son, he was nonverbal, but he was acting up. And what she finally realized it was his way of letting her know that he was ready to leave the house. Yeah, we see that um, in many situations. And then in many situations, people don't identify and recognize it. Right. Um, and so, like I said, very similar to when we have all of our children leaving our home, we are identifying what their needs are. Um, I have twins. Yes. And so my twins are very different. I have one twin that she needs to go to a school that's going to have a lot of social activities, student government. She's going to be an active member of campus, just like she is in high school. The other one, much more academic. Yes. She is much more into the band and her academics and her classes. And so her priorities are going to be very different. Right. One will come home all the time. The other one will see me on Christmas and Easter. It is just because I have different children. Right. Many of the individuals we serve don't always identify what's important to them. And so looking at that is very important to finding success when they move out. Right. And so um, for years and years, we have an individual that their um, mother felt very strongly about taking care of them. And she was a phenomenal mother. He worked. He um, had a transportation to and from work. He would come home. He'd have a companion in the afternoons. Very meaningful day. Um, he was very engaged in his community. They were going to church. He had a bowling league on Saturdays. Mom and him felt very satisfied with his life. But as time went on and life changes, right. we started talking about options and planning for right. that future. Right. And so she was fortunate to identify a organization that was building a new group home and they were on the ground f- floor of that. So they were able to meet and interview and get together with all six individuals that were going to live there oh my. and establish relationships. Right. right. So it wasn't a major no, no different life. than anyone else. You could do the same thing if your individual wants to go into supportive living. Right. Have a friendship that you develop that want to be roommates. The two of them find a place to rent. It's no different. We just forget to take those early steps. Right. Finally, the house was done. They moved out. Of course, mom, after many, many years, he was much older, felt that loss yes. of him not being there, just like empty nest syndrome for everybody. Right. And he came home for the very first time. Um, they went to dinner, spent the night, woke up the next morning. It happened to be Christmas. Um, they did church the night before. They opened presents. They had their Christmas Day meal. And she looks over about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and his bags are by the front door. <laughs> and she's like, wait a minute. Why are your bags by the front door? And he's like, I want to go home. Oh, my. And she's like, but you are home. <laughs> and so that was a... A positive and a negative. Right. Yes. As a mom, she was crushed. Yes. But then she was so thankful that he wanted to go back to what he established and believe was home. Right. It's his life. Well, my friend, when she was looking at group homes for her son, 
She said she was looking at it through her eyes and not his. Correct. So the one that her son liked, the upholstery on the couch was a little worn. It wasn't decorated quite right. But like a young man, he was thrilled with it. But if your son or daughter moves out into their very first apartment or goes into their dorm room or wherever, you would be an active member of assisting them in transitioning into their place. Yes. There's no reason you can't do that in an apartment, in a condo, or in a group home. Right. You can be an active engaging of making that possible for them. Right. Your active involvement as a family member is critical because you are a valued role in their life. And so I always encourage families being that partner with their son or daughter is so valuable. And then working with your support coordinator to know what's important. I, my agency, when we make visits to group homes, they're unannounced. Um, in many cases, sometimes we have to announce or I encourage my coordinators to call the week ahead to see the schedule and then show up when they can. I encourage Saturday and Sundays walk ups. Right. Um, I encourage you to go pick up your son and daughter and go to McDonald's on a Wednesday night randomly. Right. Because you would do that with any of your children. Right. Make plans to go to the movies. Whatever you would do in a normal day to day life is what I encourage families to do no matter what the living situation is. That's good. I mean, it's good to hear you talk about it because I find myself being extremely stressed out about the future and how we're going to achieve and do. And and that's the whole thing is you want your child to have a home, but you also want them not to just go cold turkey somewhere because you died. Well, and that is such a valuable commodity to have that you're a partner The support coordinator, the family, and the individual are partners making sure that the individual has the best experience possible. Not perfect, because we always learn for our imperfections. Yes. We we grow from our mistakes. So we we need to understand that those are going to happen, but we want to safeguard that the fall is not so far and that we're an active role and a partner in that. Right. Well, I liked what we were discussing earlier about how parents, special needs parents, you want to protect everything and you want everything to be perfect and it's got to be right and nothing bad can happen. And obviously we don't want real bad to happen, but things happen. Life. Yes. You know, and we've learned from our mistakes. Right. So how do we expect someone else to learn if they've not been able to make a mistake? Right. And I know for Maria, her job, it was a very good experience for her, a wonderful experience at the same time. As mom, I felt a little bit bad about different things, and she was part of the early summer layoff. She wasn't fired, but they, if she were to come back, she definitely would not be back in the same capacity. But, yeah, that, that hurt me a little bit. Right. <laughs> as, as it should, right? Right. Yes. Well, Patty, please tell everyone where they can contact you, and please repeat it twice in case they're running and getting their pens. <laughs> um. You can contact Patty Rendon at Rendon Support Services. Um, my agency phone number is 813-643-1054. Or you're welcome to send questions to Patty, P-A-T-T-I, at Rendon, R-E-N-D-O-N-W-S-C dot com. One more time. It's Patty, P-A-T-T-I, at Rendon, R-E-N-D-O-N-W-S-C dot com or 813-643-1054. Awesome. And thank you so much for being here. Um, we did the show with SSI and 
you answering questions from listeners and I realized I needed to do another show with you. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Don't forget to like the Special Needs Family Hour Facebook page and to sign up for our newsletter. Please join us next Sunday afternoon at 1. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined, please support the advertisers that support this program. Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1, only on AM 860. The Answer. The Answer.